Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning again. I'm David Webb. I'm one of the pastors here at Every Nation Rosebank. And today I'm going to talk to you about, first of all, hmm, I'm going to find out right now if this really works. Okay, yes, Orphan Sunday. Orphan Sunday is a Sunday that churches throughout the world, actually about more than 10,000 churches now, take a Sunday every year, the second Sunday in November, just to remember that there is still a mandate to take care of the orphan, a biblical mandate. We're to make sure they're fed, we're to make sure that they have justice, we're to make sure that they have a place to sleep, and we're, we're, we're to bring them into the congregation. And that's all it's about. We're obviously not celebrating uh, orphanhood. <laughs> We're not, uh, because, and I'll get to this in a moment, there are no orphans if you're in Christ. Amen. But I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment. Um, but there are 10,000 churches celebrating this today. Uh, in South Africa, there are 550 orphans per 10,000 people. There's three, almost three and a half million orphans in South Africa. That's, that's the largest single number of any country in the world. Can you imagine? Uh, just for comparison's sake, in the U.S., there are 13 orphans per 10,000 people. I grew up in the USA. Maybe you could tell. But I never knew an orphan. I never, I mean, there's no orphans in my school. There's no orphans in, in my oikos, in my neighborhood. Um, but in South Africa, it's a serious issue. And that's why I especially, and Pastor Simon especially wanted to take a moment today, say, let's not forget there's a mandate to care for the orphans. Psalm 68.5, and this is what I alluded to a moment ago. We have Orphan Sunday. But here's the other thing. If you're in Christ, you're not an orphan. We have six children's homes here in Johannesburg. My wife and I run. And, you know, there are some babies there, of course, who haven't received Christ yet. But for the older kids, they're not orphans. Their mom and dads may happen to be dead or not there anymore. But guess what? God's their father. He has declared it himself. I'm a father to the fatherless. And I'm also a defender of the widows from heaven. I say this is done. So good news. And it's the good news we share with all the children in our children's homes. <laughs> Not an orphan anymore. It's finished. You've got temporary people, temporary moms and dads, you know, the staff of the homes. And most importantly, you've got Father God. Galatians 3.26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God by faith. Sons in the generic, meaning sons and daughters. You are all in Christ Jesus. When you're in Christ Jesus, it's finished. It's completely finished. Do you know why it's finished? That's why Jesus died. He died specifically so that we could have a relationship with the Father again. That's what Christianity is all about, being in relationship with the Father again, just like it was before the fall. This is a bit of a joke, but I am going to ask Pastor Simon if next year we can call it Big Five Sunday because, uh, you know, we are still commanded 
by the scriptures to care for the widow, the orphan, the poor, the refugee, the exploited. And uh, so we must remember all those mandates. Um, but maybe we'll call it Father of the Fatherless Sunday. Let's not focus on what we don't have. Let's focus on what we do have. A father who says that he's the father when there's no one else. Or maybe we'll call it No Longer an Orphan Sunday. Or I'm Not an Orphan Sunday. <laughs> I'm being silly now. Or um, Orphans No More. Not in this house. Because in this house, Jesus Christ has saved people and caused them to have a relationship with the Father again. <laughs> Galatians 4, 4, 5 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is what Christianity is all about, that we're part of the family now. We're, none of us are outside of it unless we choose to be outside of it. But the day you choose Jesus Christ and the day you choose to be under the lordship of, of Jesus Christ, then it's finished part of the family, son or daughter, and <laughs> life is good. Um, where did the orphan spirit come from? Do you remember two weeks ago, Pastor, si excuse me, Pastor Lareko gave an incredible sermon, and he talked about how all the dysfunctions of men and women and men and women's relationships can be traced to the fall. It was a great sermon. And I, I was fascinated, and I went home and said, okay, so... If everything comes from the fall, what can I find in Genesis that will explain um, what happened to mothers and fathers and their children, and what happened that people have an orphan spirit on them, an orphan spirit where you actually have all the characteristics of someone without parents, even if they are there. Because of the fall, Adam became the first orphan. He was the first human to lose his relationship with his dad. See, Greg knew that. Why didn't you tell me? I just learned that this week. <laughs> he lost his relationship with his dad, and worst of all, it was his fault, and he knew it. First of all, the fall brought death into the world. That means people could be without their parents, you know, after some time. The fall meant fathers would lose their confidence to raise their children. Because of shame. Because after the fall, shame entered men and women, and they knew that with that they knew that they were disobedient to God. When God said to Adam and Eve, you know, when they were hiding in the garden, and Adam said, Well, we were yeah, we were hiding because we were naked. God said, who told you you were naked? That wasn't part of paradise. In paradise, there was no shame. Everything was, you know, out there in the open, physically and spiritually. There was no hiding. Who told you? But because of the fall, and see, this is why we all get born again, by the way. Everybody here got born again because at some moment they realized it. That spirit of shame was in them because they knew that they had lost, that Whatever, something was broken inside them, and they couldn't fix it. They got the good news that God had fixed it by sending Jesus. Men might run. <laughs> they might stay and just be emotionally absent. But diff was difficult 
after the fall for men to father, for men to be husbands also. Whose fault really was the fall? When God came and said, what have you done? You know, Adam had an answer. He'd been rehearsing it. He said, um, the woman you gave me, the one you gave, you, really it's your fault, the one you gave me, she's the one. <laughs> really? <laughs> but you know, Eve was only deceived. Who did God give the commandment to? Adam, not to eat of the tree. Eve wasn't there yet. In that perfect place in paradise where the first man could still look boldly into the eyes of God and talk with him, God said, don't do this. Just one thing. Don't eat of the tree. That's all. God knew, excuse me, Adam knew what God had said and what he meant. Eve, God bless her. She was deceived. She was deceived. You know, she, she was chit-chatting with the snake one day, and the snake said, yeah, you know, Adam. You know Adam. He got, it, he got it wrong. He's always getting things wrong. You know, God was trying to tell him about the tree and how really things will be great if you just eat of the tree. And there's the knowledge of good and evil, and wow, it's going to be terrific for you both. And Eve was deceived. And you know, there's a consequence to your behavior when you're deceived. You know, it's not just, well, I was deceived, so pff, no blame on my fault. No. You're still responsible for your behavior. She was deceived. She went to Adam. She said, how about this, you know? My new friend, the Satan, he tells me that you've got this thing wrong, that actually this will be good for us. Oh, the most horrific moment in history. Because Adam knew. He absolutely knew what God had said to him and what he meant. And he took the apple and he ate of it. In his pride, in his foolishness, I don't know, maybe some desire to please his wife or to be one with her and she's already messed up, so maybe I'll mess up with her. Who knows? But he knew. He knew. And because he knew a shame was on him that has proliferated throughout mankind. You know, men are really amazing. They were designed to be spiritual leaders, but a shame often prevents them. You know, many women are much more free about stepping forward and being spiritual leaders. I'm convinced it all started here. They don't have the same shame. They were deceived, that was bad, there's a consequence. But the man, ah, how can I tell anybody how to behave? How can I lead my family? How can I tell my children what to do, what not to do? How can I lead my wife? He was ashamed. And the shame is what men need to get over <laughs> and what Jesus came to save them from so that they can be everything they are meant to be, fathers, husbands, leaders. Adam's life after the fall, or I've subtitled this, where was he? I didn't want to put any more slides up because I had too many already, so I have not put this up, but um, 
If you want to follow along, I'm in Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Could be she was ignorant of how biology works. She thought it was just, she thought thought it was just her and God had created a child. Or she was so fed up with Adam, she didn't even mention him. It was time to give thanks. She gave thanks to God. Nobody else was involved in this thing. I mean, think about it. How do you think she felt when he ratted her out to God when, you know, after the, the apple incident, you know? And he's like, oh, God, she did this. And she's like, we did this. So the Lord God said to Cain, okay, so Cain take, um, uh, is a, a tiller of the land. He's a farmer. And Abel, secondborn, cares for the flocks. They each brought offerings to the Lord. Fruits, vegetables over here, slaughtered lamb over here. And it says, we're not exactly sure why, that God was displeased with with Cain's offering. And then Cain, in turn, was very displeased that God was displeased with him. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at your door. And its desire, sin's desire is for you. And you you must rule over it. This is a great speech. This is a speech many men have had to give their sons. Stop it. Grow up. Don't be like that. But my question to you is, Where was Adam? This was Adam's speech. But praise God. God said, I'm the father of the fatherless. Adam is whatever, still too ashamed to step forward and act like a father. But I'm going to go personally. I've got a relationship with Cain. I'll tell him. Don't do this. Don't you see what you're starting here? And the worst happened. Cain talked with his brother, and they were in the field, and Cain rose up against Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? Where's Adam? Why wasn't Adam saying, where, where's your brother? What, you, you all went out to the field. You came back. What, where is he? The Lord said, where's Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? By the way, the correct answer is, yes, you are your brother's keeper. If any of you doubt, you know, when you're in Christian community, you are your brother's and sister's keeper. You need to ask questions. When you see them going wrong, down wrong paths, doing weird things, be their keeper. <laughs> Go and find out what's going on. And the Lord God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. You are cursed from the earth. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. When you till the ground in the future, it will not yield. uh, It will no longer yield to you, a fugitive and a vagabond. You shall be on the earth. So judgment came to Cain. Once again, I'm left asking, where was Adam? 
at the moment of judgment. I, I suspect he could have also delivered the judgment. He could also have said to Cain, you can't live with us anymore. You know, you're going to have to go live by yourself somewhere. This is not going to work. He wasn't even there <laughs> to deliver judgment. And Cain, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond. It will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. But the Lord said, hmm, no, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him to make sure they didn't kill him. Where was Adam? In the midst of judgment, God said, but there will be some mercy. I'm not going to let anybody just kill you because you've done this terrible thing. I'm still going to protect you. I have known fathers who had to go to prison to see their sons and to sit with them after they did something terrible. But the best thing is that they went. You should go. <laughs> you should be the father under all circumstances. Or the mother, by the way. Your child may have done some terrible thing, but the father's duty is to continue to love, to support, to encourage, to bring some alleviation of judgment if it's possible, as the Lord did in this case when he promised Cain he was not going to be on the run, people trying to kill him all his life. Father's supposed to do all these things. Warn, correct, watch, make sure that your child is on the right path. Adam didn't do any of those things. God did. So what else do we know about Adam? Hmm. Mm, what do we know about Adam? Okay. Mm. Ah, there we go. Did I skip a slide? No. Okay, let me finish this about Adam. He lived to be 930 years old. We don't know another thing about him. Oh, it did, it did say he had many other children. That's all we know. We don't, from, from the day that he lied to God, <laughs> there's not a record that he ever said another thing to anybody. There's no record that anybody said anything to him. It was just like he, had, like he had just died emotionally. It's like he was just dead. Couldn't do what he was supposed to do. Couldn't be the father. Couldn't be the leader. Nobody said, oh my gosh. Even though he was judged, he rose up and you know, built a great kingdom for God. No. Nobody, after he died, no record that anyone mourned him, said beautiful things at his funeral. He's like a lot of men. So much shame, so much sense that I can't do this. I should never even have been asked to do this. I'm just going to try to stay out of the way. Maybe my wife can help the kids, but, you know, I'm not going to do this. See, a woman has a small blessing in that she was only deceived and that she still knows she can do it. <laughs> she can be the leader if she has to be. That's why there's so many great women in the world. But the man was meant to do it. And men often just don't. 
I'm going to tell you a story about an orphan that I do know of. I told you I grew up in a place where I didn't know any orphans, and I didn't know this one either. I just heard this one's story. A young man named Robert. Robert grew up in an orphanage. He was sent to a farm to support himself at age 12. He was only comfortable in isolation. He always preferred to be alone. I heard stories how his family would go off to do things, and he'd say, no, I'll just, I'm just going to stay home, it's fine. He especially disliked older men. He had a best friend who was much younger than he was. He identified himself to people as a Bible-believing Christian. But he wouldn't go to church. Church people, he said, made him uncomfortable. <laughs> Everybody made him uncomfortable, actually. Um, he battled fear. He always worried about money. He always worried about provision. He always worried about the future. These are characteristics of an orphan spirit. I'm not saying you never worry. Of course, we all worry sometimes. But we get over it because we've got a Father God who helps us to get over it. And, who's, and, and we're growing in trust of him every day, every year, so that we worry less and less and less. He had a wife. He had three sons who adored him. But uh, near the end of his life, he committed suicide. He had an orphan spirit. His children, his three sons, had an orphan spirit. They did not know how to raise their sons. And his grandchildren might have been also, <laughs> but for the grace of God, because God makes all things new. And he repairs the devastation of the generations. So who was Robert? Well, his surname was Webb. He was Robert Webb, and he was my grandfather. And here's what else I know about him. His grandchildren, me, my brothers, <laughs> I had four brothers, um, three of them and I had children. Here's what I know about them. We all, at some point, prayed and said, God help us. God help us. <laughs> We have no idea how to be fathers. We have no idea what it is like to love, to nurture, to care for, to protect, to provide for. We have no history of it. We have not seen it. But we have to do better for our children. And we did. We all prayed that prayer. Some of them without even knowing God, without really knowing Jesus. Some of us knowing Jesus. And guess what? We all have great families. We all have kids we adore. We all figured it out. I'll never forget one time watching my brother, um, <laughs> watching his little daughter, who was like three at the time, and he was telling, the three-year-old was telling my brother what to do, and he was just laughing with her. He said, oh, do you think so? Do you think I should do that? And she said, yes, Daddy, you should. And he was like, oh, maybe you're right. Let's sit down and talk about it. And he sat on a step with her and just tried to get her to explain to him because he was just enjoying her so much. He enjoyed his daughter. He was, his daughter, you know, had, was wrapped right around his little finger, her little finger rather, and it was beautiful. And I've seen that with my other brothers who had children. 
they provided, they protected, they cared for, they cuddled, they went to football games, you know, basketball games, whatever, uh, because each of us, in the right time, turned to God and said, help, help, help God. You remember Luke 11, 11? You know, who, who among you, if your child asks for a, a stone, uh, um, say it again? Ask for bread would give him a stone, yes. Or who among you, if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? Thank you. <laughs> God, God answers our prayers. Especially when you pray a godly thing that he wants to happen, that he always wanted to happen. He always wanted the earth to be full of men who were godly fathers and mothers who were godly mothers. Now, I have to say, I think because of the lessened shame, women often don't battle this. Sometimes they do, being good mothers. But not often. Usually it's a man thing because it's most men who are not yet submitted to Jesus Christ will battle how to love their children. Most, not all, but most. Sorry. I, I um, showed these slides last year um, at a sermon here at Rosebank, but I think they were impactful because many people came up to me afterward, afterward both to talk about those slides, but also to say that, like, wow, we should really have a whole discussion about that. So I thought, let me slip them in here again. Um, when you look at world religions, Islam does not propagate or encourage the use of the name Father. God is totally separate from human beings. Jesus is not his son. We are not his children. God is... Great. He is so far above any of us. We do not have a... Re there is no relationship, per se. He is who he is, and we are down here. In Hinduism, yes, God is sometimes called father, sometimes mother, sometimes grandfather, sometimes just source of life, light, life, excuse me. He is the force that makes the universe run. But dad... No. Somebody that you, whose lap you can crawl up into? No. Buddhism, a non-theistic belief system that has no father. In Judaism, you will often see the name of God being used in metaphor. That God is like a father in some ways. He has many traits of a father but he's not the source of love. He's not dad. Many years ago, I was at a meeting right here in this auditorium. I'll never forget, Pastor Andrew Gossman was leading us all in prayer and deepening our relationship with Father God. And he said, I want everyone to close their eyes and I want you to imagine, you know, you crawling up into Daddy God's lap and just giving him a big hug. 
And I was like, what? Pfft, no way. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But see, that told me something about myself because I got saved on the good news that Jesus is Lord and that he died for our sins and that because he died for our sins, we're going to heaven one day. You know what I missed? He died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. That's the whole basis of the Christian message. We can have a relationship with God again. And I missed that detail. I was so excited about my brother Jesus, who died for me and loved for me and would suffered this horrible pain for me. I missed it. He didn't do it just so we could really be buddy-buddy for all eternity. <laughs> he did it so I could have a relationship with Father God. To end that story, so Andrew's asking us to pray, and I'm like, yeah. Really? Right. No. That ain't happening. And then Andrew continued to pray, and he said, I, I sense that some of you are really struggling with seeing God as your father. And I, I looked up to see if he was looking at me, and he wasn't. And <laughs> he, said, he said, you know what? Just imagine you're with Jesus, and Jesus walks you up to Father God and you sit in his lap for a moment. So I said, okay, I can do that. So in my mind, I imagine Jesus saying, come on, let's go, we can do this. And he walked me up, and I sat in his lap, and it was intensely painful. And then I remember looking down at Jesus like, are we done now? And Jesus said, yeah, it's okay. And I was great and jumped down. And <laughs> Jesus wants us to have a relationship with his Father. He wants us to know the heart of Father God, not just to have a relationship with him. I missed it. I'm still a Christian. If I had died before that time, I you know, feel confident I would have gone to heaven. But man, I'd missed it. God's trying to get us to have a relationship with him. That's why he sent Jesus, because that's how he figured out it could be done. Father, help us. <laughs> um, J.L. Packer, Christian author, Father is the Christian name for God. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Of all the benefits the gospel offers, none is higher than this truth of the fatherhood of God. That sounds like an overstatement, but even though justification sets us right with God, it's the fatherhood of God that brings us into the family. Amen. Amen. Wow. After I got born again when I was, kind of hard to say actually, sometime in my early 20s, um, I remember coming, I remember praying and saying, God, I need a church, I need a great church. I need a church that's like legendary, that I will like never leave. <laughs> and he gave me a great church. It's a little church in Washington, D.C. And there was a pastor there named Brett Fuller. And uh, that, you know, he answered my prayer. Because, yeah, I was part of that church for many years. 
And then that church sent me to Kenya with my wife. We were part of that church for many years. And then, and then Pastor Brett sent us to this church. <laughs> just, just about the time they were finishing up renovating this building and taking possession of it back in 2001. Um, in a sense, I've never changed churches, you know, since I got born again. I mean, various branches of the same church, but there's a lot of security in that. You know that? There's a lot of wonderful relationships that develop and grow and are nurtured through the years. I mean, look, if God tells you, you you must go somewhere else, you must. Absolutely. But what a blessing to know we're part of the family. We are not orphans. We are not outside the family. We're the family. And to have that part of your identity that won't be shaken. You are here. You're here because God placed you here. And this is where you're going to work out your days and your life. Um, what kind of <laughs> Father God, what kind of God does Christianity show us? First John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, for so we are. John 1.12, but to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Luke 12.32, fear not, little flock. <laughs> it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Characteristics of a child, a child feels loved, forgiven, totally accepted. I'll never forget once when I, my children were small and being very upset with one of my children I have a particular one in mind, and, and saying, um, son, do you know what you did? And he looked up at me, yes, dad. Okay, you know what was wrong? Yes, dad. And so you should say sorry now, right? Yes, I'm sorry, dad. And there was no fear in his face. There was no you know, grief, and I said, okay, well, now we need to go to your mother and repent. Okay. So we went and we did that. I'm sorry, Mom. Okay, I forgive you. Okay. He looks up at me, what now? <laughs> I guess we're done. Um, that's what a child feels like. He knew I was going to forgive him. He's probably smart enough to know it would go a lot faster if he just agreed. But <laughs> Think about that. Do you know when you repent of something, God's going to forgive you right away? So fast that you don't even hesitate to say it? I remember, gosh, I was in the car this morning driving here and I thought of something that I shouldn't have said and and I just said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And God said, I know, you were really aggravated. Don't do that again. I said, great, thanks, God. But you know, the instant I thought of it, I repented, and I felt the forgiveness Amen. of Father God. Oh, that's how it needs to be, and that's how it should be. And that's what God wants is the relationship that his son died for doesn't get broken quickly or easily. And that if there is a... A little thing along the way that you just repent instantly, he forgives you instantly. Ah, 
and you're back where you started. Everything's good. That's the way it's meant to be with Father God. You know you're going to be forgiven. You know you're accepted. You trust God with your future. You, a child believes God is good. Not everyone believes God is good. A child does believe God is good. I do puzzle, as many of us do, when terrible things happen in the world. But here's what my mind never goes to. My mind never says, is God really good? I know some people it does. And that's something, you know, God is happy to work out with you <laughs> if you bring it to him. That thought never enters my mind. Uh, there must be a lot of explanations, but God not being good is not one of them. Believe that God is really my Father. Trust the Father and has a growing confidence in his care, his being freed up from worry. We all worry, okay? But you're being freed up from it. Oh, goodness. When our court case started, whatever it was, six years ago, seven years ago, I was like, oh, Father God, this is going to destroy the ministry. And now, you know, I get a notice from the lawyer. Yeah, they've appealed our case again. And I'm like, so what? God, God's taken care of me. We've continued to minister and care for children and do everything he's told us to do, despite the fact that somebody on the edges, you know, doesn't like us. <laughs> I don't worry about it anymore. I try to remember. People ask me, how's that court case? And I think, what court case? Oh, the court case. Oh, yeah, the court case. Yeah, that's a problem. Hmm. But I'm just not worried about it anymore. God's told me, take care of the children. Keep take care of children. Take care of more of them. Bring more children in. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Trust the Father has growing confidence in his care. Being freed up from worry. Learn to walk with God daily is not fearful. A sense of belonging. This is where I belong. So, in the morning, I wake up. I throw my feet over the side of the bed. And I say, good morning, God. That's how I start my day, because I know he cares that I'm there, <laughs> and that I'm awake and available for him if he wants to say anything, and then I continue. But that's been a great habit that, I don't know, I just started doing years ago, and I still do it. John 1.12 says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Last slide, and then I'm going to pray with you. A child of the Father, first of all, has peace. You know, sure, you can have moments, hours, where something has caused you to take a fright. Then you get your mind around it, and then you stop and you pray. Sometimes you ask your friends, call your best friends, and say, please pray with me. This thing has freaked me out. And then until, you, you know, your peace comes back. It's like, okay, okay, God, you're in charge. Great. The child of the Father has peace. And when it goes, you can get it back again quickly. A child of the Father is kingdom-minded. And you know why? Because you're not worried about yourself so much. You're always thinking, you're not thinking about, am I really going to get that promotion? Do I really make enough money? Will I be able to buy that car or not? You're thinking, 
what can I do to tell more people about Jesus? Or what, maybe I should be serving at the church. What should I be doing, you know, to help grow our church? You care about things that are bigger than you when you're a child. A child is kingdom-minded. A child is humble. You don't usually, you not end up thinking again all about me, me, me. And you know, but how does, but how does that affect me? Well, what do I think about that? But it's like, okay, huh. Interesting. Well, God, okay. Yeah, I didn't see that, that twist coming, but okay, good. I'm going to roll with it. A child of the Father has identity. I'm still a child in the house. I still belong here. Sure, you know, I may not feel as strongly about everyone every time, <laughs> but guess what? I belong here. I'm a child. I'm a son of this house. Relationship. You know you have a relationship with Father, God. I want to pray now, and I want to pray two ways. First, some of you have heard me this morning talk about Father God and how when you have a relationship with Jesus, that, you know, you can actually experience him as Father. And that when you've accepted, ah, Jesus died for my sins. So all the problems I had with God, i.e. all my sin, <laughs> that's been fixed. So now I can really dive in. But I, I do know there's some of you here today who probably haven't quite rounded that curve. And are thinking, I wouldn't even know how to start having a relationship with God. So I want you to do something for me. Would everyone please stand up? And I want to ask you, if you're thinking, I want that relationship with God where I know he's my father and Jesus is my brother and that he died for me. Okay, if, you're, if, you're, if you have had those thoughts during this sermon, I would love to pray with you. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask if you would like me to pray with you, to acknowledge that you're part of the family, that Jesus is your brother who died for you, God is your father. If you would like to do that, would you step forward? I'm going to pray for people right here. So if there is anybody like that, I would love for you to come forward right now. And you know what? Father God is not real high in the heaven. Amen. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Good to see you, man. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you want to be part of this? Just come. Just come. You are so welcome. Yeah, welcome, brother. So uh, I want all of us to uh, pray together. I don't encourage the people who are coming. Welcome. Amen. So I want everyone, congregation included, please pray with me and, uh, and all of you, dear people, of course. Uh, um, dear Father God, 
Today I accept you as my Father. I accept Jesus as your Son. I accept that what He did has, renewed, has brought my relationship to you back. <laughs> Jesus, I receive you. Thank you for being my Savior. I want to be part of the family from today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, guys, amen. Um, so, so we have a couple ministers here who just want to talk to you for a minute. So this way, Maureen, yeah, if you could just go with her for just a couple of minutes. She's just going to chat with you, and then you'll come back down here. Great. Thank you, Maureen. Yeah. So please, welcome. God bless you. It's, it seems so odd to be on the stage, like, looking down at people, and I said, that's exactly what God is not doing, you know? He's actually like, ah, oh, yes, great. I want to pray one more prayer. If you feel like either you have an orphan spirit because you were never fathered, or you're a father, maybe a mother sometimes, who can't really love children or really can't care for them the way you should. If an orphan spirit is affecting you either way, would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you now. Amen. 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 And amen. And amen. Amen. And amen. Hold your hands up. People around them, lay your hands on them. There's, there's, a, there's at least 30 people here <laughs> raising their hands there. And just lay your hands on them while I pray. Jesus, today I receive you as Father. I make up my mind to get to know you. I make up my mind today to receive your love. From today, I'm your child. From today, I will be a great mother or father. Father, bless these men and women. Thank you, Lord God, that there's so many willing to say publicly, no, I want all, all that God has for me. I, I break the curse of fatherlessness. I break the curse of orphanhood that says you don't belong. You're not a part. You are a part. You do belong. The Lord God declares it. Break that spirit of orphan, orphanhood. Not part of you. Because you always had a father, Father God, who's crazy about you.